Hello, my beautiful people. Welcome to A Word with Guguletu. Thank you so much for joining. Uh, whether you're here for a first time or whether you're already part of the tribe, thank you so much. You know I appreciate your presence and um, I love you and <laughs> I love and appreciate you dearly. That uh, I just felt like I needed to say that. So, um, so as you can see from today's title... Um, we're going to be talking and touching on some concepts surrounding failure. And in the larger part of it, um, what this boils down to is the idea of shame. And I'm going to get a little bit into that um, a little later on. So I think I'll maybe start by sharing what inspired me to talk about this for this podcast episode. So, um, failure, I think, is something that occupies my mind a lot, more than it should. Um, It's something that occupies my future. It's something that occupies my past. It's something that occupies my present. And whether it is real failure or imagined failure, um, I have found that the effects of this feeling tend to be the same. And in fact, sometimes the imagined failure we have um, weighs heavier on our hearts, more so than the failure that is uh, supposedly evidently real. And I think this is because when something or when you are concerned about something that has not even happened yet, you are borrowing or stealing time from your future. And I think it becomes a compounded effect of uh, dissatisfaction because not only now are you worried about this imaginary thing, now you're also worried about the fact that you are messing up your future by worrying about this imaginary thing. I hope you got that. (laughs) So um, I wanted to talk a little bit about failure and, um, you know, try to be vulnerable as I always try to do. Um, And hopefully we can, you know, get to the bottom of this Um, together and hopefully there's something in this message for you and it can touch you in a way that you needed to hear it right so I have been able to make a very fundamental or rather a very fundamentally clear connection between failure and what we call shame. So shame is a very, very interesting thing. Um, I actually want to share with you guys um, a book that I read. Um, the first time I read it was two, no, would have been like three years ago or so and it completely changed my life (laughs) 
um, in a way that um, seemed insignificant to me at the time. But the more that I grow and the more that I, 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 I you know, experience life, the more that I come back to these ideas that were brought to me in this book. So this book is called Healing the Shame That Binds You, and it's by John Bradshaw. And the one that I have is the expanded and updated edition. So when we think about shame, um, I think the obvious uh, connotation and implication that comes with that is this very negative feeling, right? Um, It's almost a word that conjures up such a feeling of lack and emptiness and even failure like we're talking about today but um this book actually you know completely changed my understanding of shame because um the hypothesis right and it's it's not even a hypothesis because there is you know a lot of research (laughs) that has gone into this but i'll just call it that for lack of a better word the 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 hypothesis or the argument um or the truth that is presented to us is that there are two categories of shame there is in fact a healthy shame this is the shame that makes us human in fact Um, In fact, there are many psychologists and philosophers and even biologists who argue that shame is the one human emotion that separates human beings from our other lovely little furry friends in the animal kingdom. (laughs) Well, also insects, so not only furry friends, but... um, Shame is the emotion that makes us human Um, in the sense that other animals and other sentient beings don't experience what we call shame. And if they experience something similar, it is not in the way that we do as human beings. So that is healthy shame. Which for me at the time, reading that was like a mind shocker. I was just like, wow, okay, (laughs) interesting. And then we have what we call toxic shame. Now, toxic shame is what we are probably all mostly familiar with when it comes to this idea of shame. Toxic shame is when the feeling of shame becomes abused toxic shame is a result of a human being being made to feel ashamed and there's something very interesting that happens where we start to identify with the shame So many of these ideas are in the book and I obviously will not be able to explain it with the grace and the aptitude um, of knowledge and clarity um, as Mr. John Bradshaw, but I will try my best to just 
share my ideas and um share my 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 perceptions and understandings of some of those ideas so a healthy shame is what happens when we are able to recognize when something wrong has been done or when we have done something wrong and that's what makes it healthy is because we as human beings we need those triggers we need those into intuitive um, reflexes and intuitive sources of intel in order to know when we are crossing a boundary right Um, shame allows us to feel guilt healthy shame allows us to feel healthy guilt and all that is supposed to do is it is supposed to signal to us and say hey this right here is something that is not morally all right it's supposed to serve as a teaching emotion that is healthy shame so for an example right um you know let's say think of a toddler for example toddlers are wild by the way i mean i love children but toddlers are wild (laughs) so think of a toddler a toddler might slap you in the face right um or might slap their friend their other toddler friend in a, in the face. I think that's a fair example because they're both children, right? Um, you might reprimand or you might try to explain to that toddler, you know, in the, the, the most gentlest way, hopefully, that that's not the right thing to do, right? And you need to say sorry. And oftentimes, I mean, I've learned this from my time working with children, children do not like to say sorry children do not like to say sorry and connecting it back to this idea you telling a child that they have to apologize for something that they've done wrong it triggers a sense of guilt and shame and which is why you often see a child cover their face or cover their eyes or look down and be like, oh, I'm sorry, you know, because there's something being triggered in them that is that healthy, innate shame that we all have as human beings. And so long as in your correction of that child, you are loving and gentle and clear about why something is wrong that shame then becomes a teaching moment and that guilt quickly dissipates and it turns into knowledge because it has been explained it has been done in a loving manner and they responded to that innate feeling of shame so it's not just festering inside for any reason right that is an example of how healthy shame works When we talk about toxic shame, toxic shame is a result of dysfunctional families. Um, I don't don't even have to say, you know, I think we all know that there's dysfunctional families and how, how many variations of that you can have, you know, how many types of family structures you can have. Um, 
toxic shame results from abuse of all kinds physical emotional verbal mental sexual um you name it uh toxic shame results from you know even parentification of children right um so when children are kind of forced into uh parental roles um whether in a spousal sense or whether in a in a sense of responsibility to their families so toxic shame is when that shame mechanism and that 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 <laughs> innate trigger that we have in us becomes abused right somebody who's abusive towards you they abuse your innate feeling for shame and what happens is in toxic shame you go from saying i have failed or i have shamed right i have shame pardon me <laughs> and you go into the i am a failure or i am ashamed very big difference between the two and that was one of the biggest aha moments for me when i first read this book was in understanding in how toxic shame tells us that instead of doing a wrong thing we have suddenly become the wrong thing and then obviously it becomes clear to see how abuse and toxic families and all of these things that we always talk about on this space um contribute to that and in fact trigger that right um and for me this really 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 sends a strong signal of connection to the idea of failure i think oftentimes that is how we look at things we 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 don't see ourselves as having failed at something we see ourselves as complete failures for something that has happened or for something that we are imagining in our near or distant future <laughs> um i i want to believe and this is why i always say this because there is power in the tongue and so i i know that the change in my life is going to come from the change in my perspective and in the change in my consciousness and in how how i believe things to be and how i really truly see things and so i always try to remind myself that failure is nothing but an opportunity to learn and this is not the first time i've said this on this podcast i say it almost all the time because it's something that occupies my mind a lot and i i i i really hope that it never comes across as i as me just talking because i know everything um this is my this is as much of a healing space for me as a as i hope it is for everyone who listens in so i just wanted to you know say that but the reality is 
that is all that failure is. In the same way that that toxic, um, pardon me, that healthy shame is only there just to trigger us and show us that we're not doing something right or something is not being done correctly and triggering us to respond. Failure is doing the same in our lives if we let it. Um, you know, I, (laughs) how do I say this? When I think of failure, um, and upon a lot of reflections, I think failure can lead to two paths or there are two, two major directives that failure is trying to, to teach you or to show you. The first thing is that if you fail at something and you believe in it, failure is going to teach you about resilience. It's going to teach you about how to do better. It's going to teach you about what it means to get knocked down seven times and stand up eight times. That is what failure is going to do. Or failure can in fact be what you need to show you that this is not the path that you are most aligned with and whatever you are attaching yourself to that path for that failure is going to keep coming and it's going to keep reminding you that this is not the path that you are most aligned with and you know, I really wish it was this simple. I wish it, I wish it just didn't seem like this big old scary thing. Um, but I really do truly believe in my heart of hearts that if I can try to approach failure just in those two perspectives and just cut out everything else, cut out all the noise and say, if I fail, I'm going to try again because it's something I believe in. And if I fail, or rather, if I fail, I need to try something else. You know, um, I'll give an example. When it comes to this podcast even, I... I, I, I've had to come to realize and be appreciative of the certain compassion that I, I really do believe I try to have at all times with all people. And it comes from such a, it comes from such a genuine place and it's because I understand things on such a deep way that it sometimes scares me. I understand feelings more than anything in such a deep way that it sometimes scares me. But I believe that I have a gift of making people feel loved. I believe that I have a gift of touching people through my words you know you guys always tell me like your voice is wow and I'll never understand it but some things are not meant to be understood some things are only meant to be believed and you just need to have faith in it and you need to just 
share what you have with the world. So I say all of that to say, this podcast is something that I will never give up on. No matter how many times I fail, I've failed a couple of times, you know, when it comes to things like marketing or when it comes to structuring, a lot of things I I feel like I've failed at. But because of my belief in this gift of communication and in this gift of having compassion for people and for self and connecting with people because of my belief in that gift i will never give up on this podcast it may evolve into me using my oratory gifts in other ways but i will never give up on this that's an example of something where even though i have failed it has taught me more about resilience because this is something i believe in and when you believe in something you almost have to burn all bridges and just stick your flag in the ground and say this is it <laughs> you know this is it so that's an example that's an example of something that um or an example of where failure has taught me about resilience. And I would encourage you now to, you know, take the time to think about a similar situation of yours or a time when failure has taught you about resilience. Now I want to talk about the other side of um of the failure, right? Which is when failure is trying to tell you that you're not on the right path, <laughs> um, you know, I think we've talked a bit about this on this podcast about how we never want to, you know, be lazy and we, we never want to give up too easily, right? And I think that's absolutely important. But I think we also need to become a lot more comfortable with the idea of giving up things that are not meant for us, of letting go, of releasing expectations, goals, ideas, things that are not aligned to us. Because it doesn't matter how much you try to put a round hole into a square peg, it is not going to fit because it's not... It's not meant to fit in there. And sometimes we attach ourselves to so many ideas. And that can be for many reasons. You know, it can be from our own selves, right? Our own self-perceptions about who we should be, what we should be doing, how we should be doing it. To observing our peers, you know, to expectations from our families and people who love us you know wanting to make people happy and proud and all of these things all of these things we're just constantly 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 running on overtime and it's exhausting it's exhausting um you know i'm somebody who struggles with insomnia and it is exhausting to exhaust yourself with your own thoughts it's literally the most sick joke that any human being could play on themselves and we do it we do it all the time and you know 
the fear is that if we don't do things or if we don't hold on or if we don't attach to this person this relationship this job this dream this timeline this expectation if we don't attach to this then we will have failed and when we have failed at something because of that toxic shame we don't see it as i failed at something which maybe means oh okay like we said maybe i need to try harder or you know maybe this is not it maybe i need to try something completely different we look at it as i am a failure therefore i cannot fail i want to go back to the book a little bit um because this um brings out the idea of the false selves that we created or that we create <laughs> rather um in order to feel this toxic shame um all right this is from page 42 of the book if anyone is interested in reading it i would highly recommend it um an excellent book otherization otheration pardon me and dehumanization toxic shame which is an alienation of the self from the self causes one to become otherrated otheration is the term used by the spanish philosopher ortega y gasset to describe dehumanization he says that man is the only being who lives from within to be truly human is to have an inner self and a life from within animals live in constant hypervigilance always on guard looking outside themselves for sustenance and guarding against danger when humans no longer have an inner life they become otherrated and dehumanized toxic shame with its more than human less than human polarization is either inhuman or dehumanizing the demand for a false self to cover and hide the authentic self necessitates a life dominated by doing and achievement everything depends on performance and achievement rather than on being being requires no measurement it is its own justification being is grounded in an inner life that grows in richness the kingdom of heaven is within says the scripture toxic shame looks to the outside for happiness and validation since the inside is flawed and defective toxic shame is spiritual bankruptcy and i mean that's just beautiful first of all that's just the beautiful way with words um <laughs> really touched my soul but um so this is almost parallel to what i'm trying to explain when it comes to our our fear of failure itself and attaching ourselves to these false identities um i think the most powerful or one of the most powerful things in there was um 
Toxic shame looks to the outside for happiness and validation since the inside is flawed and defective. Exactly. Because it's not that something bad is happening. It's that you are a bad thing and you are happening. And you can imagine how fragmented, how fragmented most people have to be because I've shared a lot of intimate spaces with people and I've shared a lot of intimate spaces even with myself and it never fails to surprise me how fragmented and how poorly sometimes people are, are 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 so quick to look at themselves you know and it, it it also comes out when we think about our self-depreciating humor you know that humor is like ah i'm ugly i suck haha and it's like <laughs> well is that really funny but it is it it, it is um It is. <laughs> um, you know, guys, you know, as well as I want to say something, when it comes to the idea of failure and, and all of this, I also want to talk a little bit about this idea of self-improvement, 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 right? Because it, that's all we hear about. You know, whether it's, okay, become rich, you need to level up financially, you need to level up, glow up, do this, do this, do that, do that. I I have mixed thoughts on all of that. On one hand, right? On one hand, of course I want to be better. That We, we all want to be better. It, I think it almost goes without saying. I almost think it's redundant to say I'm leveling up because in every single moment we are leveling up no matter how it may feel we are always leveling 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 up <laughs> um that's just how physics works that's just how time compounds itself and that's how space compounds itself as well so I'm I'm all for the leveling up. I'm all for it. You know, I'm all for mm, be the it girl. I'm all for it. But if that is your only source of validation, if that is your only source of being, as this book so beautiful, so beautifully states, you are spiritually bankrupted. And to me, there is no, there is no, there is no fad or 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 area of self improvement that can beat, in terms of longevity and in terms of stability, that can beat being spiritually whole. And I don't even want to say spiritually whole because then people get a different idea. When I say spiritually, again, it almost becomes redundant to me because 
if if we believe we are spirits or if we believe we at least have spirits right we might not all believe that and i i I totally understand that but that's at least my belief is that i at least have a spirit you know um if i'm not the spirit in itself then it, it you don't have to be spiritually anything there is no spirituality because your being in itself is the justification is the testament to that spirit you know but we become bankrupted in that in that in that space that cannot be explained that in that space that is not physical and that is not tangible we become bankrupted and to be bankrupt is is just, it's it's the opposite of fulfillment it's the opposite of ease it's the opposite of comfortability it's the opposite of clarity it's the opposite of security bringing it back to the idea of failure I think that failure can be such a beautiful teacher when we allow it to be and only when we allow it to be what failure means to us is what determines what failure does for us I hope you caught that what failure means to us is what determines what failure does to us your failure is not your enemy that failed relationship it, it, it's not your enemy I promise it's not as horrible as it feels as it's horrible it's horrible it, it, it hurts it sucks it's it's not fair it's ruined it's this very sad day when a beautiful thing gets ruined but it is still not your enemy that failure that you <laughs> experienced in your business is not your enemy you failing that test it's not your enemy it's a beautiful opportunity to show you the way to go. It's a beautiful mentor and it's beautiful guidance, but only if you allow it to be. It's not going to magically make itself what it's not. <laughs> and it 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 needs your belief it needs it needs your power and on that topic of the self improvement all of that i think i completely forgot i that i was talking about that but on that topic <laughs> of the self-improvement and our obsession with that
the more that we allow ourselves to be dehumanized and the more that we dehumanize ourselves at that, the more, once again, we feed into the self-fulfilling prophecy. And our fear of failure, it does that. It does that. Um, I'll never forget... um, Someone told me, um, Aline, shout out to Aline. <laughs> he told me that fear is a is a great um fear is a great motivator, but it's not a great uh guide. Right. And when we think about it, it's it's not about failure, it's it's the it's almost the fear of failure. It's not the failure in itself. Because when you think about it, if you were to now just sit and think about how many things you have actually failed at, are you still here? Yes. Are you still okay? Yes. Maybe things are a little bit difficult, but you're still here. You still had time to listen into this lovely podcast and share your time and space and energy with me. So, you know, you're still okay. You're seeking for answers. You're seeking for something. You haven't withered away like, you know, in the wind. So then we begin to understand that, oh, so maybe it's not even just, it's not even the failure in itself. It's that fear of the failure. And as we all know, fear is just false evidence appearing real remind yourself (laughs) and it does nothing to serve us well actually i take that back it doesn't do nothing to serve us um it's important that we 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 face these emotions it's important that we have these um, you know, some people like to say it's shadow work or however you want to call it or whatever you want to refer to it as. You have to acknowledge all parts of your soul because everything is not just glitters and rainbow, which is a bit of my problem with all this self-improvement jargon. Um, I know it sounds like a, you're probably like, oh, she doesn't want to self-improve. No. But I, I, I just think that it, all, it, it becomes a little bit redundant. And you have to feed every part of your soul. You have to understand and be willing to know every part of your soul. Not just the good parts. Not just the laughing parts. It's like imagine if you got into a relationship with somebody and... Anytime you showed any kind of emotion that was not positive, they just left your life or they just they told you that it was over or they just started to back away from you, which I know is something that actually does happen a lot. Um, that then that's not a relationship because you're not you're not engaging with that person fully. You're not being fully present. You're engaging with the parts of them that you like and that only serve you. 
in that moment and in that time. So when you don't allow yourself to unpack, acknowledge, understand, appreciate, embrace, console those parts of yourself that need that, you're only starving them and they're going to come out in a much bigger way. You're going to lash out at somebody. You're going to send that ex, that text that you shouldn't <laughs> send. You're going to go out on a, on a binge of drinking or eating or whatever it is. It's going to happen. It's going to come out because you can't hide from yourself. You know, this is why... Um, philosophers and psychologists or when we think of like Carl Jung even he was ahead of his time so ahead of his time because he understand or <laughs> he understood rather that process of individuation and that process of truly coming into oneself it's not just about the positive you guys it's not it can never be it never was meant to be about that. How can you how can you know that you 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 have a gift unless you're forced to use it? How can you know that something is worth fighting for until you have to fight for it? That's the beauty of life. And I'm not saying that it's fun to go through, and I would never even insinuate that, but it is necessary, and it is, it is all helping you to become closer to yourself and to understand who you are again. Because toxic shame and, and the, 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 the feeling of failure, it removes us from ourselves. It robs, of, it robs us of the experience of getting to know ourselves. And I think that's, that's the most painful thing that can happen. You know, we, we, we live life and we, <laughs> we scatter so many different parts of ourselves in every place. You know, we leave parts of ourselves in every place that we go and in every situation that we find ourselves in. And at the end of it, when it comes to that present moment and you realize that you have been stripped of all of your meaning, that is a painful, painful, painful place to be. And I know, I know it is. So maybe you haven't failed. And maybe you have failed. Maybe you did fail at something. Could it be that you need to try doing it in a different way? I mean, if you believe in it, you don't even need me to tell you to try again. You're going to try again. You're going to try in all the ways possible. <laughs> As you should, as you should. And again, on the flip side, you might have failed at something, 
I mean, is it possible? Is it possible? Uh, just a crazy hypothesis. Is it possible that maybe that's not what you need to be doing? Is it possible that your gift lies in something else? You know, I think when we talk about self-mastery, self-mastery, contrary to popular belief, in my opinion, is not about saying, okay, I need to become perfect at this, 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 this. I need to become perfect at everything. Self-mastery is saying, this is my gift. This is what I'm good at. I'm damn good at making people feel good. I'm damn good at being compassionate towards other people. I'm damn good at understanding feelings, creating spaces for that. That is my gift. I'm damn good at writing down my emotions. That is my gift. Um, This is not what I'm good at. I'm not so good at um, keeping my room clean. Be an example. I'm not so good at being on time. I'm not so good at whatever it is. I'm not so good at soccer. (laughs) You know? And... You'll never be as good at soccer as your gift if soccer is not your gift, right? So it's not about being perfect at everything. It's about mastering. It's about first, first understanding where your gift is and understanding where you're not so gifted. And then it's about focusing on your gifts. Really focus on your gifts because that feeling that you get from the things that you're good at, that feeling is what builds momentum for more of that feeling and for more of what you want. You can't build from a place of nothing. You can't build with no materials. So you have to start somewhere. If you just start on, oh, I suck at this, I suck at this. Well, like, how are you supposed to feel encouraged? Of course, you're going to like not want to do anything because like you're not being very nice to yourself. You're not being very encouraging. So I always recommend to start from the place that feels good. And slowly use that feeling and use that awareness and, that, and and hold that feeling and carry it into other things slowly by slowly bit by bit rather maybe <laughs> it's just tongue twisting all over the place bit by bit and try to hold that feeling of what you're doing and try to anticipate the best outcome for once for once it's 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 all too easy to just be pessimistic and it's too easy to feed the demon you gotta feed it but don't let it become greedy you know (laughs) 
don't let it become greedy that's how you work with yourself you understand the different parts of yourself and you say you know what are we feeling like this today okay all right you know what i'll give in to you we'll just be calm today we won't do much today but i'm not gonna let you run my life <laughs> i'm not gonna let that little kid traumatized and just i'm not gonna let that traumatized kid run my life but i am going to acknowledge them and i am going to be there for them and say you know what i got you so if there's some days where you just need to be alone and you need me to give you that attention and you need to throw a, ten a temper tantrum i'm gonna be there for you like that's literally how you need to talk to yourself you guys like it's not just burning sage and rubbing crystals together like it's it's not just that you know it's it's <laughs> it's learning and unlearning all over again and that's the beautiful thing about life is that that's what we're here for so again failure is a gift it's the gift that keeps on giving i would encourage you to sometimes sometimes don't take yourself so seriously understand that <laughs> in this universe you're a tiny drop but you are a tiny drop that matters it matters that you are aligned it matters that you're happy it matters that you reach your full potential because that tiny drop is what makes a wave but just understand you know just have that perspective got to be able to go from long vision and like looking up close at things it's a helpful skill and um so i'm just gonna end with a little reading from the book because i love it <laughs> and i want to share it with you guys and it's a bit on uh, meditation so this could serve as a solution for some of the things we've talked about in this episode so take it as you will and i hope it's helpful This is page 176, by the way, for those of you who are going to get the book like I recommended because Gugu never lies to you. All right. <laughs> Sit in an upright, oh, meditation, embracing your lost inner child. Sit in an upright position. Relax and focus on your breathing. Spend a few minutes becoming mindful of breathing. Be aware of the air as you breathe it in and as you breathe it out. Notice the difference in the air as it comes in and as it goes out. Focus on that difference for one minute. Now imagine that you're walking down a long flight of stairs. Walk down slowly as I count down from 10. 10, 9, Eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one.
When you reach the bottom of the stairs, turn left and walk down a long corridor with doors on your right and doors on your left. Each door has a colored symbol on it. As you look toward the end of the corridor, there is a force field of light. Walk through it and go back through time to a street where you lived before you were seven years old. Walk down that street to the house you lived in. Look at that house. Notice the roof, the color of the house, and the windows and doors. See a small child come out the front door. How is the child dressed? What color are the child's shoes? Walk over to the child. Tell that child that you are him from his future. Tell them that you know better than anyone what he has been through. What he's suffering, his abandonment, his shame. Tell him that all of the people he will ever know you are the only one he will never lose. Now ask him if he's willing to go with you. If not, tell him you'll visit him tomorrow. If he's willing to go with you, take him by the hand and start walking away. As you walk away, see your mom, dad, guardian come out on the porch. Wave goodbye to them. Look over your shoulder as you continue walking away and see them getting smaller and smaller until they are completely gone. Turn the corner and see your higher power and your most cherished friends waiting for you. Embrace all your friends and allow your higher power to come into your heart. Now, walk away and promise your child you will meet him for five minutes each day. Pick an exact time. Commit to that time. Hold your child in your hand and let him shrink to the size of your hand. Place him in your heart. Now walk to some beautiful outdoor place. Stand in the middle of that place and reflect on the experience you just had. Get a sense of communion within yourself, with your higher power and with all things. Now look up in the sky, see the purple white clouds from form the number five. See the five become four and be aware of your feet and legs. See the four become a three. Feel the life in your stomach and in your arms. See the three become a two. Feel the life in your hands, your face, your whole body. Know that you are about to be fully awake, able to do all things with your fully awake mind. See the two become a one and be fully awake, remembering this experience. I wish you all my beautiful people. Thank you for joining this space and I will talk to you next week on A Word with Guguletu. Mwah.